0: Welcome to the Overcomer Podcast. Join Brian and Josh as they talk to people about their hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, for the Overcomer.
1: All right, so we're, we're going to welcome everybody that's come... Join us with our um, pilot episode tonight. My name is Brian. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And and my sobriety date is um, January 17th, 2018. So I'm coming up on four years in January. And go ahead, Josh.
0: Uh, My name is Josh. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. And God has delivered me from alcoholism and sex addiction. And uh, my sobriety date is August 11th, 2014. So uh, just past seven years.
1: All right that's coming up again yep so so uh, we're kind of gonna do a little rundown on on what we're gonna what our plans are for the show and and what we're looking into doing you know uh so our our kind of rundown is, is we're gonna have questions and guests on we're gonna we're gonna have some some interview type stuff and, and then we're gonna hopefully eventually get into um some segments that are kind of uh Off air, if you would.
0: Yep. Yeah, so the whole plan of the show is to one day be able to do some live shows and some uh, live interviews with some people and just give you some content that we love um, as people in recovery. I love hearing stories of other people's recovery because, you know, Jesus is just amazing. And what he does in our lives and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives is is unbelievable and i think that if we can get this out there if we can get other people's stories out there it might inspire other people to to start their recovery
1: yeah you're right and and if you you were both part of uh celebrate recovery and uh, here in gillette wyoming and and uh you know a lot of our fellowship before it before our, our service and stuff is is just telling stories about what we've been through kind of where we've been and, and some of the dumb stuff we've done, and, and this, we're, we're trying to get that out there to everybody. that, that The stigma behind uh, recovery is not dark and, and lonely, and innocent. it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we've had a lot of fun in recovery, and, and we're trying to get that out there that it doesn't have to be uh, a negative portion towards the recovery, that, that drug recovery and, and habits and addictions and stuff is not, it doesn't have to be bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing to remember too Is recovery is more than just drug addiction It's more than just alcoholism It's more than, it's depression It's um, other habits that people have It's ga- You know, I remember we had a guy that was addicted to gaming When I first started in Celebrate Recovery And I was like, I kind of chuckled Because I was like, how could you be addicted to gaming? Like, it's the greatest thing on the planet. And then I was like, wait, am I addicted to gaming? (laughs) But in all seriousness, though, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to be a guest, you don't have to be a drug addict. You're an ex-drug addict or an ex-alcoholic or, you know, anything that you struggle with. Divorce. Um you know depression these are just a few naming off the top of my head i should have written something down
1: (laughs) well and and we've met a lot of people in recovery and and we've met a lot of people with with a food addiction or or a a shopping addiction and money and and you know uh my fiance tells me all the time that you meet somebody that says i don't have a problem you just hang out with them long enough and you'll find one you know (laughs) everybody has some sort of uh a coffee addiction or a caffeine addiction, cigarettes, you know, we meet all kinds of people that, you know, this year that have quit smoking cigarettes and, and, uh, yeah, depression, suicidal thoughts, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, hurts and habits and hangups and stuff that, that it doesn't have to be a
0: drug. Nope. Nope. And so we're going to get into, we're going to get into our stories in a little bit. And I'm so excited because, uh, Brian has one of the most inspiring stories that, that I've ever heard um, And I'm excited to hear What he has to say today And for you guys too Because, you know, this journey Isn't a journey that we go on alone You know, as you, Whatever your recovery program is You know, it doesn't have to be Celebrate Recovery It could be something other, something else As long as Jesus is at the center Of your recovery you're gonna succeed and you're not gonna fail
1: that's right. we we put, we put Jesus first and, and God at and, and the beginning of it and, and it's really you know my story kind of starts with, with a, a nine month dry addict type scenario where I didn't have Jesus in my life and, and it was a very dark time for me that, you know I thought I thought boy if I could just have a pipe right now it, it would fix everything you know but you know I uh, Back to our show, and, you know, I've been super nervous about it all week. I've been talking to Josh, like, every time he texts me, he said we're, we're getting ready to record, and I'm like, oh, man, my butterfly stomach, you know, kind of nervous, but, uh, you know, there's, we're, we're hoping to, to really have some exciting stuff for the show, eventually hope to record live. That would be just, like, on top of the world type stuff to be able to do a live show, you know, and, and we're hoping that that's kind of the direction we're going to end up with it.
0: You know, if we have a live show, uh, I'm going to be floored.
1: It'll be, It's going to be something that we can only give the glory to God for, because that's where he's going to lead it. Yep. You know, we, we kind of leave it all in God's hands. A, a live show, that, you know, I I never thought in, my, in the wildest dreams that I was ever going to record a podcast with anybody or, or, you know, to be a co-host on a show that, you know, but recovery is like our thing now, you know. Uh, it's in my talk every day. Every day I'm talking to somebody about recovery or or my past or, you know, I've had a lot of um, things come out to my boss that <laughs> you wouldn't normally have a conversation with the boss about. But uh, you know, through recovery and God, you know, they they kind of see a, a lot of change in in what I've done and and uh, where I've been, so they kind of understand a little bit more and it, and and it really opens up, you know, in our work area and and the people around us that you know recovery is not it doesn't have to be dark and deep you know it's it's really a great thing and and once they become comfortable with that being able to tell people you know yeah i did have a problem and and you know here's some of the dumb stuff i did and they and they laugh it off and then they realize that you know it's it's the stigma behind recovery i hate it It, you know it's kind of a shameful thing and and yeah you know drug drug addiction and and depression stuff stuff like that's shameful yeah it doesn't have to be that way
0: Yeah, I mean, as somebody who struggles with depression heavily, um, you know, and I'll just say this, we moved from Gillette to Baltimore because of my depression, because of how bad it was getting, and I just had to get away from this place. (laughs) And it's not that I love Gillette. You know, I love it. I love everything about it. We have amazing friends here. But I needed being here for five years. I missed the East Coast. I needed to be closer to family. I needed to be closer to, you know, friends. And we needed that that time for me to grow. And that time for me to allow me to go through what I was struggling with. You know, I eventually got diagnosed with bipolar, with depression. and And there's a stigma. And I wasn't going to get help here. Because I was a pastor. I was... Um, Everybody's just like, Jesus will heal you, Jesus will heal you, Jesus will heal you. You know, not, hey, why don't you go see a psychiatrist? And now when I see bipolar tendencies in people, I'm like, hey, I understand that Jesus can heal you, and that's great, but let me tell you about my psychiatrist, too. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you about my therapist.
1: Let me tell you how much that helped. (laughs)
0: Let me tell you, uh, I did pay for their new boat, but... (laughs) And I'm sorry if my psychiatrist listens to this show. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully one day. But it's just one of those things where seeing a psychiatrist, seeing a therapist, going into that, seeing a psychologist, it's not... It shouldn't be shameful. And as, as Christians, we shouldn't shame people for struggling with depression. Just like we shouldn't shame drug addicts, and we shouldn't shame alcoholics. You know, depression is a real disease. And now that I can get off my pedestal.
1: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Josh. That uh, we moved here from Nebraska, and uh, Gillette's not an easy place to live. No. You know, during the winter, it, it's very deep. It's a, just a. It's not a fun place to live. There's there's not a lot to do sometimes, and, and during the summer we. You kind of start filling void, so I understand completely having to leave. You know, I get homesick all the time. Like I I miss just a flat farming land, just being able to see, you know, cornfields and and stuff. So I I get that, you know, depression and and some some of my my um, I kind of talk a little bit about my my addictions and stuff is uh, methamphetamine and uh, uh, opiate pain pain medication, cigarettes. Uh, anger is a good is a good one you know if people people out there you guys got an anger problem or you don't you know you're mad all the time that's there's an addiction to that you know there i was addicted to wanting to fight everybody and just wanting to argue and and and, you know if i could make somebody's day worse than mine that that, you know i was addicted to that feeling of of adrenaline and and just wanting to argue with people and fight and uh, so that's a couple of them cigarettes and um you know uh depression and, and suicidal thoughts I've, I've that's been on my mind lately this this past week about talking about that, that that you know people out there with that thought and and they're too ashamed to come forward with it and and just tell look i'm i'm having a rough day yeah and there's kind of a you know we're trying to get it out there so that, that shameful nature kind of drops off of that and and people can really talk and get help
0: you know when i got help when i first got help um, I got to give it up to my boss because there's days I can't get out of bed and he understands and he'll pray with me. Like the one day it was so bad that he's like, he's like, do you need, he's like, can I call you? I'm like, yeah, you can call me. am <laughs> like, why? He's like, I just, I think we need to pray out loud. Not just say, Hey, I'm going to pray for you. I think we need to get on the phone and we need to pray out loud. And my boss has been one of my cheerleaders since the beginning. And it's just been amazing, you know? There's... I just... I don't know how to explain it other than it's amazing. Especially when it comes to me my struggle with depression and him, you know? And... It, most bosses wouldn't care. Yeah, they'd be,
1: they'd be just done with it or over with it. You know?
0: Yeah,
1: and depressions, bipolar depressions, uh, from what I've talked to my fiance and stuff, not to put her out there, but you know it's not easy to to find medication and, and adjust to that kind of stuff to where you're, where you feel normal. You know it's, yeah. that's not easy to do, but being able to do, um, step out in the open and, and tell some, you know, tell your doctor something like this isn't working for me.
0: Yep. Well, it's not, it's hard because like you have good days and you have bad days and my good days are always the day I go see my doctor (laughs) and my wife hates it because she's like, well, what did you say to the doctor? I said, I'm great. (laughs) There ain't
1: nothing wrong today.
0: (laughs) Yesterday was a different story, but there ain't nothing wrong today. (laughs) You need to tell your doctor about yesterday (laughs) and the day before that and the day before that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And when I learned that. You know, that's when the doctors started helping me. And um, and the worst part about meds is side effects.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm on a medicine right now where you have to up the dosage every two weeks. And every two weeks, the side effects hit again. Because the dosage has been upped. And so, I'm on the second of four. And I'm ready for it to be done. <laughs> <laughs> ready to be on that fourth one where you're not going to do it no more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's in four weeks. So we'll get there and I'll be there. And, um, but that's the other understanding part about my boss is like sometimes when that stuff happens, it's not even that I'm depressed. It's that I've got side effects and the side effects are usually nausea or dizziness or, and I'm like, I can't stand up. I'm working from bed today, (laughs) you know? And he's usually like, no, why don't you take the day off? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I was like, I got stuff to do and, you know, and, but it, it really does work out in the, in the long run that, um, that when you do go see a doctor, you know, every six months you're getting put on new meds. That's just what it is. Yeah, we that's, keep changing that's this it. disease. Um, Every six months, you're getting put on new meds. You're getting dosages changed because they just stop working.
1: Yeah. body gets used to them. Yep. Figures out how to fight them off.
0: Yep. And depression is the same way. And the scariest side effect that comes with these meds is suicidal thoughts. And they all say if you get suicidal thoughts, you need to call us immediately. Like, don't play games. Because, and that's a public service announcement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's some serious stuff, you know, that your your bipolar depression uh, and one of a portion of being bipolar depression is suicidal thoughts, anyways. And you you take a medication that probably boosts that up. That's probably not a good idea.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. So.
1: And kudos to your wife, you know, learning (laughs) how to live with with, and learning how to um, see the some of the signs of you kind of going into a uh what a, a slump yeah episode an episode or... is what you call it so yeah being able to understand where that where that's kind of coming in
0: yep oh yeah i have an amazing wife yeah <laughs> uh... we'll get her on the show one of these days yep she'll be on we'll get your fiance on the show too
1: <laughs> you know and, and you know, that's good to have a support team as, as well as everybody out there. You know, if you guys are going through some of this stuff, your support team, you know, and, and to kind of double back on something you were saying about leaving, you know, you're a pastor and stuff. They kind of put pastors and people in leadership, you know, on a uh, on a pedestal, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they kind of put us up there where nothing can go wrong and, and we all have bad days, you know, we all we all kind of uh we still have troubles you know we still we just have learned how to deal with them but you know even being a pastor you you still have struggles
0: oh yeah dude oh yeah um pastors are normal people Mm -hmm. and if somebody tells you otherwise (laughs) then they're crazy because pastors struggle with the same thing that the people in their congregation struggle with. Exactly. And that's why when they're preaching, it's like, "Hey, were you reading my mail?" He's like, "No, I, I'm." You know, the, we're like, "No, I'm reading my mail."
1: <laughs> yeah, is it? You know, and and in leadership too, have you seen it? That you know, we still get attacked. I, I had oh, a rough right. day yesterday and the day before. Not yesterday, the day before. Primarily, you know. Where, where I kind of fell back into some old ways and the but gained traction and, and got a hold of my sponsor and you know my accountability team kind of talked it out but you know don't let it fool you that just because you've be, you've beat your addiction that the things aren't going to happen because you're yeah. still gonna fight through some stuff
0: oh yeah and just because you find Jesus doesn't mean that it's all sunshine and rainbows <laughs> No, well, the
1: devil still tries to play games and he'll still be nipping at your heels yep just kind of learn how to fight it off, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, Brian, I got a question for you. Okay. What moment in your childhood sparked your hurt, habit, or hang-up? Okay, so we we
1: kind of talked some about this question, and and we realized that the, all the testimony we've heard is, is generally a lot of us have some sort of trauma in our childhood that has... Started, you know, we can really pinpoint where our addiction started.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, as as much as I can remember, you know, my parents kind of started fighting and went and went through a divorce. I was about twelve, and that's when I really noticed. I mean, I was I was kind of a rebel to begin with when I was younger. I was kind of <laughs> kind of the black sheep, you know. I was a naughty kid. You know, the attention I was getting was uh, was bad attention. You know, it it, it wasn't ever. You know, I I didn't act out for for no reason. You know, I was if I was gonna get attention, it was gonna be because I was acting out. So, but uh, you know, I I started smoking cigarettes. I thought, well, I can, you know, my parents have split up. I'm gonna take advantage of this and I'm gonna start playing one against the other and and just kind of doing my own thing and doing whatever I want. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, at 12 years old, I was kind of that's when I started a nicotine addiction, and then I kind of moved forward from there. Um, about 15 I think 15 or 16 I started binge drinking and and partying with my friends and that's kind of so you know that was kind of an area of my life that early on but um I can't you know I don't want to blame an addiction on my parents getting split you know splitting up but that's that's the first trauma that I knew of you know shortly after that I was smoking cigarettes so yeah
0: yeah for me it was uh I can't remember it like it was yesterday, dude. Honestly. And my therapist tells me it was the day I lost my parents. It was mentally... I was 13 years old. You know, he put it in a way that I never understood it when he said, that was the day you lost your parents. He said, it wasn't the day your dad left. It wasn't the day he died. It was the day when you were 13, when I was 13... <laughs> And I found out my dad was gay. And my dad was a pastor. And I was, you know, I, I was always the rebel pastor's kid. Where, I like you, I always acted out and I always wanted attention. I was, I was the oldest, so I always had the attention. But when I found out my dad was gay, it was, it was all over. And my mom didn't believe me. I didn't believe you that, that, he that, was, he was gay. that he was gay. And I'll tell you, there's nothing harder to hear as a 17-year-old than I should have listened to you when you were 13. And when I was 13, I started smoking what we call dope. <laughs> 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 it's not what they call dope it's out like here. Some slang term going around. <laughs> Um, but it was the first time I smoked weed and I loved it and i never turned back. You know, it was probably six months after that happened. Um, I remember the day my parents found out too, cause I thought you got a drug test when you got a physical. <laughs> for for <laughs> high school sports? Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, I came home, and, like, at this by this point, I was 14 and a half, probably. And I had to, I had to get a physical for school sports. And I come home, and I'm like, Dad, do you get a drug test when you uh, get a physical? <laughs> and he's like, why are you asking? <laughs> no reason. Because I might fail one. It <laughs> depends. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, it's... It's one of those things where we just, I can trace my addiction back to that moment in my life. It's a moment that I can relive every, anytime I want. You know, I, my, I found out my dad was gay. I told my mom. And when she didn't believe me and then my dad turned, I had show, and then I tried showing her by showing her all the gay porn that I had found on the computer and when she still didn't believe me and my dad turned in on me
1: I was going to say I I didn't mean to cut your story off but I I remember you telling me this uh, that it it, it got blamed on you
0: yep Um, it was probably the hardest moment of my life because you know now you have this 13 year old kid where their father blamed them for looking at gay pornography and that's where the sex addiction started because I was like I was out to prove to everyone that I wasn't gay prove
1: a point that that the rumor
0: wasn't was yep and so you know it's if there was a moment in my life where I could pick that I think sparked my hurts habits and hang ups I think that was the moment yeah, that's
1: something early on. That's that's traumatic, you know. I've kind of I've kind of had a, a, an addictive personality my my whole life, and you know, tra- trauma is a big thing on why my addiction advanced the way it did. Yeah. You know, I was uh started with binge drinking, and then it kind of rolled into, you know, I blew some discs out of my back. So then then I started a pain pill addiction, and let me tell you what that that drug on for a while and uh, but, but trauma, you know my, my addiction really got hardcore when, when I lost my dad and, and uh, that's when I turned from, from just dabbling in, in a little bit of Adderall and stuff to just full-blown meth addiction just't just went wide open with it.
0: Yeah.
1: so you know I, that traumatic event there's a, it seems like everybody can pick it up you know everybody knows when when their life flipped yeah you know when you went from a normal a normal kind of childhood just doing bad stuff a little bit to when it actually it's like a life light, light switch flipped and and you know I, could, I I still just like just like you I can remember right now the exact feelings I had when I lost my you know when my dad passed away and, yeah and and I can relive it any day I want to and, and it sucks you know and, and for everybody out there don't don't think we're going to get you on the show and, and start uh you know, doing some of this deep stuff that we've talked about, you know, time and time again, and we've dealt with, with it in our inventory and, and stuff, working the steps, so, so we've been healed from this stuff, so we kind of, you know, it's easy for us, or it sounds easy for us to talk about, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, our first guests that we got that want to be on the show, I made sure to tell them, like, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it you know, if one of these questions is too, one of our questions that we have is too, you know, out there for you or too personal or, you know, tell us beforehand and, and we'll make sure that we just don't ask you that question and, and we'll keep rolling.
1: Yeah, we know, We kind of want it to be an uplifting thing, you know, we don't want to trigger some people and, and kind of get into some stuff, you know, and of course they need to understand that this stuff goes out over the airways. We, we can't, you know, be careful with what you say. Yep. You know, there's some stuff in my past that that could come back, and and you know, you guys probably aren't going to hear too much about it. But uh, uh, you know, our our uh, we're going to kind of do a private segment for subscribers, and and some of that stuff's probably going to be on there where we we got some stories to tell from the past that that I think would be funny and and uplifting, kind of some dumb things that we've done.
0: Yeah. Yep. So. You kind of covered this already, but what was the darkest moment of your addiction?
1: Yeah, I think, I think I'll, you know, I'll try and change it up a little bit, because that that was my darkest moment, you know, when I left my, when my dad passed away. I was, I was holding his hand when he took his last breath, and that was very dark for me that, you know, but, uh, as far as my addiction, I think the part that hurt the worst is, is, um, you know, I was living in Baird, and, and I wasn't working, and, uh, I was feeding my addiction through through some illegal activities and uh I was taking the money I was getting and and instead of feeding my kids you know I was buying bags of dope with it and and at the time my wife was in jail so she didn't even know what was going on and, and I was cheating on her with another gal with my fiance now and and uh you know, it, it hurt really bad to look back now to to see that I was actually that's that was my addiction. You know, it it wasn't me personally. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, but that's what the that's what a meth addiction did to me is that you know I didn't care about anybody else. It was my next high. You know, I'd say go over to your grandpa go over to your grandmother's house and get something to eat. You know, because we don't have nothing to eat. Well, it's yeah. not because I didn't have money. It's because I wasn't buying. You know, buying. Uh, food, I just buy another
0: bag with it. Yeah. That's that's a lot, you know. I'm and my actually my darkest moment is very similar. Um when my wife and I first got married and we first had our daughter I had a pretty decent job and but I was going to the bar every night, I was going out drinking, I was drinking at home by myself, you know, just not fun. Um we had moved from it got worse when we had moved from Philly to the Poconos, and I was commuting and living with my sister and um, there came a a few times where I'd spent our bill money at the bar, <laughs> or I couldn't get home from Philly because I was either too drunk. Or I didn't have the gas money anymore. And so I'd have to call my mom and be like, hey, uh, bills are running tight this month. You know, not saying, not telling her that. And she doesn't know this and she's going to find out.
1: That's all right, though. When she listens
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's on my list of amends to make. That's good. You know, because um, I'm shameful of it. It was a dark moment, and I, I lied to get money to pay the bills. I mean, I didn't technically lie. We were short on money. <laughs> but <laughs> I none. just wasn't fully honest yeah. about why. And, you know... So when it, you hear that out there, Mrs.
1: Davies, he's going to be making a phone call, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> if not, I'll talk to the sponsor. I guarantee it's coming.
0: <laughs> uh but um you know it's just it's one of those times where you have to do what you have to do and when you're in your addiction and when I was full blown when I was a full blown alcoholic I I didn't care about anybody but myself I didn't care that I had a 1-year-old daughter or a wife at home you. Know, yeah. So,
1: and that's a common thing with with everybody in addiction that that addiction takes precedence whether you like to think so or not that you know, it might not be who you are on the inside, but that addiction's got a hold of you and and you know, it, it I've always said that addiction is selfish, selfish behavior. That's yeah. that's all it's ever going to be.
0: Yep. And speaking of addiction and recovery, did you ever hit a spot in your recovery where you thought you would fail? yes um you know recovery for for me
1: was wasn't exactly the easiest thing and, and for a lot of people but uh, you know for I thought I was gonna fail in, in recovery when things really started to take off for me I, I got scared um, I started working through the 12 steps with my sponsor and, and through celebrate recovery started joining you know doing some leadership stuff and and then pretty soon God was kind of calling me into other things you know lifting me up starting to do a sound booth and and you know starting to do testimonies and stuff like that and and I I thought it was just too much uh, stimulation and I thought there's no way you know this is crazy I can't I can't be this person you, you know I can't I can't stand up in front of a bunch of people and, and tell my story so I thought you know in recovery th- this is gonna trip me you know I I was afraid of where God was taking me. Yeah. You know, God put a, a brand new car in our life, you know, he 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 put a house in our life. Like we we completed, you know, uh, started completing like uh our our leases, you know, without being evicted and and uh that all that was overstimulated for me because that's not what I was used to. That's not my life, you know. Mm-hmm. The life I lived was was just chaotic and and once things started settling down, you kind of get this self destructive behavior where you know i I think this this whole sober life isn't for me, you know mm-hmm. this being around people that are happy and and living a a happy sober life that that was triggering for me i thought man i'm I'm gonna fail this is almost like it was too much to expect, like there's too much expected of me you know being in leadership and stuff like that where I thought I'm gonna fall, you know
0: yeah, yeah dude, uh failing is On the back of everybody's mind, um, I think in recovery, because you don't want to let anybody down. You know, you have your sponsor, and you have your accountability group, and you have your friends and your family rooting for you, and it's like, and for you guys, you guys had people that had given you a second chance almost. Oh, yeah. You know, and... And we could talk about that later, but...
1: (laughs) We got to get it in on this show, because I'm sure they're going to listen, and I really (laughs) want to give them a shout-out.
0: But those people were rooting for you. And, you know, your pastors were rooting for you, and just, it was just, you know, I never knew that you were afraid to fail. As your pastor, at that time, you know, I saw you as someone to look up to because by then I was five years sober.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so I was I was way ahead of you in the in the recovery process, but we were kind of going through the steps at the same time.
1: We were. We did start that's when I met you. Yep. I think no, I met you before that, but we started the twelve steps together. Yep. The first time for me.
0: Yeah. And uh and it was just one of those Things where, you know, I don't know that I necessarily was afraid. There was a point I can think of that I was afraid to fail. I knew I had too many people rooting for me. There were people that wanted to see me fail. Rooting against you. Yeah, rooting against me. And, you know, there was... But there was just so many more people rooting for me. When we moved to Gillette, I was about five months sober. And my wife was the pastor. I wasn't. And, uh, we, I didn't want to be a pastor. (laughs) We saw how well that worked out. Um, (laughs) but, uh, on the pastoral form to become a credentialed minister, um, it says, "Have you abstained from alcohol for at least two years?" And so I couldn't fill the form out. I could have lied. Oh yeah. Easily, I had lied through my addiction. I but I was doing stuff differently this time. And everybody kept asking me, "Why are you waiting to fill it out? Why are you waiting to fill it out?" I waited until October to fill it out of. Um, Twenty sixteen. Uh, because. That was the cutoff, so I waited until the last minute. <laughs> but that's not like any
1: of us. No.
0: To the last minute. No. Um, but uh, I waited till the last minute. But I also waited till past August eleventh because that that was my sobriety date. Yeah. So, done and, and
1: you know for for all of our listeners out there that that. You guys got to understand that you will have people rooting against you in, in your recovery. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that people are like that, but people like to see other people fail and and, when, and understand, too, that when you get through your, your 12 steps and you start getting through your recovery, people are, are going to start getting jealous of you, you know, and they're going to start kind of throwing shade, if you will. Yeah. You know, they're kind of, they'll, they'll be upset with it that that you're winning. Yeah. And it's sad.
0: Well, and I think they'll think that you're doing a better, you'll think that you're better than them. Yeah. When that's not the case, because I want you right alongside me. Yeah. You know, and uh <laughs> I laugh at our next question. <laughs> I see
1: that, I see that. So our next question is is tells kind of a funny story of... Uh, something funny that's happened in your addiction. And, and you told me a story the other day and I was still <laughs> laughing about it. Like, I don't know if it's going to make it on the air, but you guys come oh, and see me. It and and this air. thing was funny, but you know, I, I was kind of wondering, I wanted to keep mine for our, our, uh, our private segment for subscribers. But, um, so I can't really think of one right now that's like super funny. I, I might be able to put it in there. So, you know, we are we're, we're, we're kind of doing some stuff in the middle of the night and, uh, i was I was standing on this on this type of it's kind of a guideline, you know and uh I was about ten feet in the air standing on this thing, and I was reaching out and I remember going to sit down on this um on this guide wire so I could hop down to the ground and instead of sitting down i f- i sat too far backwards and it clipped the back of my knees and I flipped over backwards <laughs> and landed flat on my back and like all I could hear is thud. Uh! I couldn't breathe, Danielle heard it, she started laughing, like, all she could, that's all you could hear in the middle of the night, I'm trying to be sneaky doing stuff, and, and uh, that's all you could hear is just this big, loud crash and thud, and, and then I'm laying there, like, just staring up at the sky, like, a, it was, you know, uh, you guys, you guys want to hear, you know, if I can tell some more of that in person, you guys can find me, but, um, yeah, I don't think some of it can go out over the, over the radio, so.
0: Yeah, no. So, I was really drunk one night. (laughs) He's already laughing. Um, And my wife's one aunt is cross-eyed. We don't talk to this aunt. And somebody mentioned her. And I was like, you mean this one? And I had two beer bottles in my hand. And I put them up in my eyes and I had one go to the right and one go to the left and the whole room just was floored
1: so it's so funny to me because I could just picture myself doing it like at <laughs> a party you know <laughs> oh, oh, <that's>
0: good.
1: <laughs> you mean this one <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I cracked myself up. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, let's go on to the next one
0: for us. I'll start crying. Uh, um When did you realize you needed Jesus? Okay. So,
1: I was going to talk about this part of my story later, but, um, you know, my... A lot of people know um, in 2018, I I was in a really bad accident. Um, but up until that point, I was I was a dry addict, and... and uh, you know i thought i was i was clean I didn't need no recovery and i didn't need god and and I didn't even believe in god you know uh so in uh november i, I remember the day at the time uh it was November twentieth two thousand and eighteen four twenty four p m and uh I rolled a truck pulling crude oil and uh I was trapped in that truck, and the truck was still running and uh I remember every like everything is clear as day, uh, but I remember there's there's two things I'm afraid of: is burning to death and freezing to death. You know that that stuff is scary. You yeah. know, not even drowning compares to to the fear of. I mean, that's a real fear. That you know, I was I was um, I was trapped, and I couldn't you know I couldn't hardly move. And uh, I remember the truck stayed running, and I I could just hear. Yeah, you know, in my mind, I could just hear oil, flammable, you know, just stuff running next to the, to the uh, exhaust. You know, I'm thinking that there's gonna be absolutely no way this ain't gonna catch fire. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna burn to death right here. Nobody even knows where I'm at. Yeah. You know, and I realized at that time that that every tool that that everybody's given me, as as you know, um, pastors and everybody I've been around the. I realized at that point that there's only one person in this world if, and I said you know God if you're real you know right now is the time to show me because I'm scared to death you know mm-hmm. and and uh that's the first time I ever prayed a prayer that I felt in my heart I said I said you know Jesus please save me you know in Jesus name and I just kept screaming as loud as I could and and eventually you know what felt like 10 minutes it was probably only a minute or two the truck finally shut off and, and it was just the wind blowing and and I remember just screaming, you know, God, just please save me! You know, please send somebody down this road to find me here, so I don't freeze to death out here. Because you know, towards the end of November at night, it's cold. Yeah. And uh, you know, I uh, I remember feeling feeling like somebody had just hugged me. You know, it was um, it was my heart was racing. I had my heart had been doing one hundred and fifty beats per minute just. Just screaming, and I remember my heart just just slowed, and I I was hyperventilating. I just calmed, like went from that just calmed straight down, and and uh yeah, I remember being calm. It took him forever to cut me out. It seemed like you know it, the whole ordeal lasted three hours from the time I wrecked until the time the life flighted me. I landed in Casper, but that's the first time that that I knew, you know, God had my attention, and I believed. And, and from then on, it's been nothing but God, you know.
0: That's awesome, man. That's so awesome. Because he it saved you. Because you're sitting yeah. here.
1: Yeah, he did, and that I, you know, I think back in my history, and that's not the first time he saved me. It's just the first time I actually believed it was him, and yeah. knew that it was, it was God and Jesus. You know, I I felt him hug me, and you know, and it felt like you know, Brian is it gonna be okay.
0: I remember the first time you told me that. Was after I shared um, that I felt like Jesus hugged me the night I got saved, and you know, and then a friend of ours was like, "No way! I thought I was the
1: only one." Yeah. <laughs> Is it when you start sharing that story, uh, you start hearing other people because you can't explain it—the the feeling. You you know, it's it's too hard to explain. The feeling of of it feeling like a body hugging you, but not really hugging you you know what I mean it yeah. just, it's just a
0: comfort it's like Yep. yeah and uh, so the moment I realized I need Jesus um, I'd come home from the bar and my wife I went to give my wife a kiss goodnight and she said get away from me you smell like my father I had always felt like I can't be her father Like I can't And that's her story to share With you if she ever wants to come on the show But I, I just In my Through the entire time we were dating I just couldn't be her father For her to compare me to him It just I don't know It did something inside of me That I realized that something was wrong And that it was hurting my relationship with my wife. That I was doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. That I was taught my entire life throughout the Bible, you know, knowing the Bible that drinking was bad, you know? Yeah. And that Jesus made grape juice, not wine. <laughs> That's a joke for some of my friends, <laughs> but being drunk was bad. Yeah. And I was getting drunk every night, and so when she said that to me, I didn't even go to bed that night. I went and found I went in the, found my Bible and went in the corner of the room. You know, I wasn't really going to church. And so I spent the entire night in, in the corner of my room and I I read this Bible verse over and over. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I read that passage of scripture over and over because I didn't have a father. By this point, my dad had died. And I knew that if if Jesus, if God became my father, then everything was going to be all right. And I felt like Jesus hugged me. And I sat in the corner of my room all night crying. Because I was finally saved.
1: It was a, you kind of feel that internal just... It's almost, I don't know how to explain it, it's, it's almost the the Holy Spirit entering your body is, yeah. is what it almost, you know, the only thing I could compare it to.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's cool that we got, we got the same, you know, it's kind of the same, same
0: deal, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it happens to a lot of people. They just either don't feel it or don't realize it's happening. Because I've heard of it before, addicts, or people who didn't believe in Jesus coming to know Jesus, getting that warm feeling where they're they are they are being hugged. You know, it's
1: it's awesome. <laughs> well, and, I, and I've heard a couple of times after I give my testimony that some people will come up to me and tell me, "Hey, I, I thought I was just crazy. You know, I thought I was the only one that felt." No, yeah, there's a lot of us that feel it, that that felt
0: that. Yep. Yep. What's the biggest thing that Jesus, Jesus has done for you?
1: Oh man, I should have studied these questions. <laughs> um, you know, Jesus is just, just through. You know, almost four years is insane, but um, just as just as everybody else, there's a few people out there that gave me a second chance, as as Jesus did. You know, he. That's the biggest thing he ever did or could have done for me is, is just re- release me from from all the stuff I've done in the past. You know, all the hurt that I've caused everybody. You know, I have victories and stuff. You know, we just got a new car. Uh, you know, all kind. There's there's countless things that, that it could only be, you know, Jesus. But I think the biggest thing is, is just being able to um, walk with my shoulders up high and, and look people in the eye and tell them, you know, look. I did do that stuff but that's not me you know yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not guilty of that stuff like I'm forgiven I'm free from it and and I think that's by far just just giving me a second chance cause cause I denounced God my entire you know forever I, I was telling my kids that he ain't real you know so for, for that to happen you know that's a big deal
0: yeah that's awesome man that's really awesome um for me, I think the biggest thing that Jesus has done for me is bringing me back to Gillette right now. You know, we're we're happy. We're we're with our friends. We're you know I I don't want to call them friends. We're with our family. Yeah. You know, and I I know we have biological family back east, but our forever family is. Is the family that I know will be there for us a hundred percent, no matter what, if we needed them, you know.
1: Yeah, and the, kind of a shout out to our to our Celebrate Recovery family out there. You guys know who you are. Uh, that's one thing when when you go through this program and and you do the twelve steps with somebody by your side and and your your accountability team and your sponsor, you guys form a relationship that that rivals none. Yeah, you know that. The, you know i have family that ain't even that close yeah. so you know you kind of you, you learn to trust people and, and do things over and and when you start sharing some of the stuff that they mean you have shared in private that yeah. nobody's ever gonna know like that's that you form a bond and and a form of trust that that you can only have with a, a brother in christ you know
0: yeah yeah man so what struggles are you struggling with now Oh,
1: you know, struggles lately for me would be um, I've, I've got kind of fallen back into some foul language. Uh, you know, I've had kind of a rough week, and, and not to make that an excuse, but th- that's what happens when when you know you're working on something and you have a rough time. You kind of fall back into your old ways, and, and yeah. you know, my foul language is starting to come back out, and <clears throat> you know, my my. Sponsors called me out on it. My, my fiance's called me out on it. You know, people in public have called me out on it. So that's why I know you know, things are getting out of hand. So I'm struggling with trying to get that back in line right now.
0: What about you? Um, I don't know. I mean, depression's always a big one for me. Um, you know, waking up in the morning and wondering, if is this going to be a day I spend in bed all day? Or is this going to be a day where... I get up and and go, you know, do what I need to do, you know. And my sponsor is is always good about calling and going, hey, you out of bed? <laughs>
1: uh, if you're not, it's time to be.
0: <laughs> but another, I'm struggling with something that I can't really say over the air. Um, something personal, but, you know, it's... I don't know if I'd say it's jealousy, but I'm starting to think it is, and, you know, there's just, there's just some things that have happened that I'm upset about, and, and kind of jealous about at the same time, so those are kind of some struggles that I'm struggling with right now.
1: And you start off and tell me some victories you've had this week.
0: some victories I've had this week. Um, besides the side effects of those meds <laughs> i've uh the last two weeks I've worked for my office um, which has been a huge victory for me because I haven't been spending so much time in bed. Yeah,
1: because you're, you're able to do your job in bed and that's Yeah, probably, I'm able to It's kind of a
0: uh, crutch
1: <laughs> It is I don't yeah. have to actually get out of
0: bed It is because, you know, I can I can just pull my laptop over my chest and type away and, and do my job from my bed But The joys of being a real grammar <laughs> <laughs> The joys of working from home in your PJs. And <laughs> you don't ever actually, actually get dressed or nothing. You do for Zoom calls. Oh, just,
1: just your top half, just your shirt.
0: No, actually.
1: <laughs> I, if I had a Zoom call meeting, they'd be lucky I'd be wearing pants, you know what I
0: mean? Dude, <laughs> like, I did that once. I was on a Zoom call, and it was Skype back then. And uh, I didn't have pants on. But I had a shirt on, and they need—they're like, "Can you go grab such and such file?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was like in another room, so I kind of like slid off my chair. <laughs> I slid sideways off my chair and uh, <laughs> and fell on the ground. And they're like, "You okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good."
1: Can you imagine me showing up to a Zoom meeting? I'd probably have pants on and no shirt. <laughs>
0: sometimes I'll show up and we'll have our Zoom meetings but we don't turn the video camera on Yeah. and like I'm always terrified like if I don't have a shirt on that like the video camera is going to get turned on (laughs) or like my friend Ted is going to uh, call me on my Amazon show Echo show and so I have the camera blocked on it so if he calls me (laughs) and I'm not wearing a shirt (laughs) he can't see it
1: I don't know, I couldn't do meetings. That's too much for me. <laughs> so what are some of your victories? Uh, well, you know, after four months of, of three months of uh, searching and fighting and arguing, you know, we, we finally found a car that Danielle likes, and and we, we bought that thing last night. And, uh, you know, that's a victory for me because it's, cause it's been a, a battle, you know. And, and the next, the most important victory is, is we're sitting down and recording the show. You know, that was a big, I've been excited and nervous as crap about the whole thing this whole week and and we finally get to sit down and 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 break the ice and get it done and and that's been a victory for us both you
0: know what i mean yeah it's been a victory because we've had to reschedule how many times (laughs) three times it's been (laughs)
1: rescheduled but but we finally got to sit down and do it yep
0: so how are you feeling now
1: oh i I feel great you know i I hope everybody out there really loved you know loved our pilot and and i want to Kind of back up to that second chance thing and give my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law a shout out because they, uh, you know, you guys heard Josh talk about people that gave me a second chance and, and they let me move into their house under a pending court case. You know, they knew I was a bad person and, and uh, they they gave me that chance and they didn't have to, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it was easy, but uh, they gave me that chance and, and you you guys know who you are, Tanya and Bill. You, I love you guys and, and thank you for for really... Being the foundation for being able to become the person that I had through recovery.
0: That's awesome, man. That's such an amazing story, and I love hearing that story. <laughs> that's why I brought it up because it is true, and you you have amazing in laws.
1: I do. They they you know and they're supportive. They 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 show up when Danielle's getting her chips. You know when when we're when we're doing CR stuff, they show up for that. They showed up for our baptism. You know that that's a very important um, support system for us. is, is you know. Them, them too. That that's the foundation to to our recovery. If if it weren't for them jumping over the bridge and saying, "All right, you know, let's take this chance," and I wouldn't have never had the opportunity. I'd I'd still be in addiction. You know, I, I would have never had that chance to to step out and and prove that I'm not that person.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, that's awesome. Well, this is, we are the Overcomer podcast, and if you want to find us on social media, it's at the Overcomer Pod. And we are on Twitter and Facebook, so give us a listen. Continue to listen to our shows and follow us on social media.
1: When you see us out there and about, say hi, shake our hand. You know, get get used to starting to hear us, cause uh, you know we'll get you on here and start talking and chatting about it, and, and get guests on, and and we're we're so I'm I'm excited, man. I am pumped that that everybody out there gets to hear our story and everybody else's story. You know I'm pumped. Yep. So thank you guys for listening.